always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. Bye, bye, butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Creeping around 31 degrees on Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta. Hey, Ashley Frasca hosting Green and Growing almost a year. I think I'm two days shy of the one-year anniversary of the show. So I'd love for you to call 404-872-0750. Whether or not you've been a caller over the last year or maybe it would be your first time, tell me what you learned. Tell me what you would like to hear a little more of. This is a learning process for me just as gardening is for all of you. Um, I don't know everything. I know a little about a lot of things, and I've learned from one of the best, Walter Reeves, who hosted the Lawn and Garden Show for exactly 26 years here on these very airwaves on 95.5 WSB. And, you know, Atlanta's Morning News uh, with Scott Slade, that show just celebrated its 30th anniversary of being on the radio here. So I follow in the footsteps of a lot of talented people and awesome hosts that have all been a part of this radio station for so long. And Kirk Mellish and Dave Baker and even O'Neill have been on the air a very, very long time. And it's just an honor to be able to do this show and to be able to do traffic Monday through Friday and work some of work with some of the best professionals in the business for sure. This place is is a great place to be. And shows like this and like the Home Fix-It show with Dave Baker are really where we can ask questions and exchange information and you get away from politics and you get away from the stuff that drives you crazy Monday through Friday, work and all of that. But we kind of get into stuff that we want to be doing. We want to do things around the house, whether it's fixing things up or, you know, remodeling or in the lawn and garden, just something that's a little bit more of a hobby. So I really value your calls and your advice and your expertise on uh, different things that are all related to gardening, 404-872-0750. So the, the structure of the show, the way it's been set up for a year, and I'm not opposed to changing the way things are, but in the first hour of the show of Green and Growing, we thought it would be best to have like what we call a benchmark, you know, something that stays at the same uh, place same time every weekend. So that's where Walter Wonders com- comes from and still having him be such a big part of the show and checking in. And I know he gets probably more emails and Facebook messages and things than I do with folks still asking a lot of questions about seasonal things or plant identification or even some of the experts reach out to him, folks in the field, and kind of tell him what diseases or pests are rampant. Uh, at certain times and how we can all be a little more responsible in managing those. So that's why I bring him in every week to kind of share what's timely and what's hot, what we need to be thinking about. So we just had a great conversation here about half an hour ago about invasives, and he's got great advice for combating things like that, like kudzu and English ivy and bamboo. For years, he has told us all not to plant bamboo, right? And the second hour of the show... This benchmark, this thing that would be scheduled the same time every Saturday, was Celebrity Gardener. And I love uh, Hondo, Neil Williamson, for coming up with that idea when we were brainstorming this show just over a year ago. He's like, you know, there's a lot of people, Ashley, in Georgia that garden, whether it's just very passively, you know, part-time, or people like Vince Dooley and Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A, who are actually avid gardeners, master gardeners, and know what they're doing. So it's been fun for me to reach out to different uh, people in the community, whether they're super famous or they just work in the building with me and we're 
you know, TV and radio personalities that you're used to hearing, but everyone has a take on gardening. And even if not gardening, just they've traveled to different places, uh, parts of the country or the world and things they've seen in observing nature. So that's kind of fun. And then hour number three kind of kept that the same with Walter Reeves' Lawn and Garden Show of having Pike Nursery on. They sponsor the show, and I love them bringing on different store managers and assistant store managers. They pick out each one strategically as to what uh, knowledge base that they're most experienced in talking about. So they kind of feature a plant for us each and every week. Tell us all about it, not just come buy it or it's on sale or something like that. But here's why you want this in your landscape. Here's why it may be attractive and here's how to be successful with it. So I appreciate all of that. And if you have any great ideas, I would love to hear them because I am able to get back out on the road a little more now. I mean, the coronavirus isn't in check yet by any means, but the stuff I do, I, I go outside and I interview people and I talk to really uh, fascinating people. So I've I've been to the Green Meadows Preserve over in West Cobb and talked to Jim Bearden about bluebirds. And I did a Keep Marietta Beautiful Day last year in a tree planting at one of the STEM schools in Marietta. That was fun to kind of get out and talk to the kids and watch them, you know, arborists actually planting a tree at the school with them and seeing the kids light up and getting interested. And that's what we're talking about, starting seed, too. There's all these different avenues of gardening that if you take it back and and simplify it on a simple scale for kids to get involved, that's so much fun. And then, of course, my most recent interview with Ryan Tedeschi, who is a 15-year-old, a friend of a co-worker, or a son of a co-worker, actually, but learned so much from him about houseplants and propagating plants and orchids and things like that. So you never know where that knowledge is is going to come from for sure. Um, But I want to drop a little bit on you today. I want to drop a little bit of knowledge because we're really starting to think about what we can be doing in our lawns, right? We're getting ready for spring green up with some of the dormant grasses right now. You can't wait for that Bermuda and that zoysia to start greening up. And and you are starting to see some weeds too. So I kind of want to get you on base really for where we're looking in February of what what we can be doing right now. So first we'll start with fescue because fescue is a grass that a lot of us have, very common, cool season grass. So uh, it's green right now. It's green and it's overtaken by weeds. Maybe some of you have even mowed it uh, once during these cold months. That's certainly not unheard of. So this time of year, if the fescue is getting a little out of control and you seeded back in the fall and you've got a lot of new growth, good for you. You're at a good place. Keep that fescue mowed to about three inches this time of year. And lawn care experts would recommend that you remove the leaves and debris, my goodness, with those heavy, heavy rains we had earlier in the week, like terrible tornado warnings and things that came through, I think, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Um, a lot of mud and sticks and limbs and things are kind of blown across your your yard. So it's best to let the sun and everything get to that that the blades of that grass. So remove any debris. Now is coming up on a good time to fertilize fescue. So that's maybe why you're going to want a soil test. You don't want to just throw in any kind of fertilizer. You really need to do a soil test, get to know what that soil is going to need. And when you look at that fertilization number, you know, 10, 10, 10, those three numbers, you really need to know what that represents and what your soil is yearning for. Uh, Broadleaf herbicides, they can certainly be used right now. Broadleaf herbicide is one that targets weeds with broad leaves. And there's also the grassy kind of weeds. So those are uh, easily identifiable. 
and the herbicides that you're able to use kind of as a post-emergent. You're treating the weed once you already see it. So like chickweed, henbit, other things like that. And you think about, too, coming up on the fact that it is as pretty much almost time to use any turf fertilizer on fescue, but also a pre-emergent, right? So even though it's still cold, you know weed seeds are hanging out in that soil and they're ready to hit the right temperatures to start germinating, to bring on all those spring weeds that are going to go nuts when the weather warms up. So there are weed and feed products. You see that on the label. You see that on the bag, something like I'm thinking Scott's Turf Builder. Um, But you want to definitely check the label, read the bag, kind of know what you're buying if you're trying to do a two-in-one kind of thing. Scott's, for example, it's great. Turf Builder's great, but it contains a post-emergent. So you'll see like dandelions on the bag. It's going to try to treat weeds that are already present. But when we're thinking about a pre-emergent, which this is the time of year coming up on that, you want it to be a pre-emergent that it's going to get to those seeds before they germinate. There's also a brand called Espoma, Uh, that's organic and it's a fertilizer and a pre-emergent. So that's kind of your kill two birds with one stone kind of thing if you're thinking about that pre-emergent application. And with that, though, with that being said, when you think about using a pre-emergent in your lawn, that is going to, you know, tackle seeds before they germinate and it can't differentiate between weed seeds and grass seed. So there's got to be a good window there of you leaving everything alone. Don't disturb the soil. Let that pre-emergent chemical work, but you've got to leave space before you're able to put grass seed down. That's going to come a little later if you're looking into overseeding like an established lawn of fescue. Best to do that maybe March or April, but it's got to be spaced far enough apart. Again, do some research, do some homework, make sure you leave. I mean, it could be anywhere from six to 10 weeks that you let that pre-emergent chemical work, and then it's going to be safe to put grass seed down. Uh, zoysia, zoysia is another one. Looking to mow that just before green up, and we've still got some time there. Like April, May is when you're going to see zoysia greening up here in the uh, southeast region. And think of thatch removal, though. I did have someone reach out to me with uh, a disease, like brown kind of grayish spots in her zoysia lawn. And I don't know. I mean, my first thought, they, they were very obvious, but my first thought was, Thatch removal, it doesn't have to be done, but even if it's just bad in your landscape, every two or three years is going to cover that. But when you've got too much thatch in any of these warm season grasses, it's just going to promote fungus and harbors pests. It's going to really take away from the soil and reduce the health of the soil. So that's really going to be something. And once the threat of frost has passed, you can aerate. When you start thinking about aerating your lawn, that's really digging up those plugs, helps with soil compaction. Um, So aerating is just getting more air into the soil so that it can take seed a little bit better. A pre-emergent application for zoysia grass is coming up in about a month. That's something you can start to be thinking about, uh, again, to to prevent those spring weeds. We get a little bit later start with zoysia grass and warm season like that than we do fescue or something. So maybe late February, early March to start thinking about that. And it might be a good idea on those warm season grasses to do a second round of pre-emergent, maybe eight to 10 weeks later. So that would maybe put you looking at the middle of May or so. And avoid post-emergent during spring green up. We talked about warm season grasses when they do start to green up they they kind of need to be left alone. So you don't want to stress them out by spraying some post-emergent herbicide on there. But use now as needed to control winter grassy weeds, which are certainly obvious right now uh, in those dormant grasses for sure. So 
404-872-0750. We have some great calls coming up. We've got Daryl in Gwinnett County talking about weed control and lawns. Mike and Noonan putting down Bermuda and rye. Uh, but, you know, just growing in patches, want to see what's going on there. And Keith, Kenneth and Covington, a smoke plant. I want to hear a little bit more about that. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back on Green and Growing on WSB. An update on the weather for your weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, it's going to warm up to 51. That's not a whole lot, but considering it's about 31 now, that that feels kind of nice. Mostly cloudy today, but a chance for rain tomorrow. You've heard Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad and it's up to 80% morning rain, diminishing into scattered light showers during the afternoon. And then some sun will welcome us into the new week on Tuesday and Wednesday. So looking forward to that. But right now, yeah, 28 to 31 degrees, depending on where you are. Um, a lot of good calls. 404-872-0750. Up first, he got in first, Kenneth and Covington. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey, what's going on? You have a very interesting plant you and your wife do. Okay. We bought a smoke bush or a smoke tree. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what was on the label. And we planted it, and it came out like the next year or the year after that, it, uh, like a, a stalk. I mean, a, a stem came out of the top about three foot up, and it didn't have. It had little nubs on it, like it was trying to come out, you know, and produce limbs in the spring. And it sort of like uh, got cold, and I think that may have stunted it. But at the top, it bushed out, and it has the blooms on it, but. My wife thinks that we need to just cut that three foot off, and I just didn't know where to do that or not. Yeah, you actually could. And and those, I did a little bit of research on smoke bush or smoke plant, either one. You're absolutely correct. We're talking about the really deep purple, very cool kind of plant, right? Right. Yeah, those are so colorful. They're really, really a neat plant. Uh, they grow very large, too. If left to their own devices, Kenneth, it, it definitely could become a tree. So if y'all want to keep it more in shrub form, pruning is a good idea. Um, if that, just that one stalk, at least you've got nodes on it and you're seeing some growth, you could gently kind of scrape that stem with your fingernail and just make sure it's not brittle, it's not dead, it's not brown inside. You've definitely got some green in there. But just with that one Stem, sure, go ahead. They can be cut back all the way um, back to the ground. Um, so when you do that, when you're going to take a stem all the way back, you know, that's like a, a a thinning cut to where when you take just entire limbs, entire stems out of a plant, and that is going to invigorate new growth below the cut for sure. So I think that's probably going to be fine for y'all to do. Um, and make sure that, you know, y'all have already got it planted it's not real picky about the soil conditions. It actually probably can stand to be a little bit drier from time to time, um, and it doesn't need to be overly rich soil or anything like that. But, you know, monitor that at least the soil's broken up where you guys put it. It's not in hard clay or anything like that. But pruning it now is going to be just fine. I think you could um, accommodate that. And and how old is it again? When did y'all put it in the ground? We put it in the ground probably, I guess, three years ago. And that's all it's doing? And that's all it's doing. But what what I told it to do, I said it blooms out at the top, and it's pretty. Mm-hmm. But she was thinking that it might, if you was to break the bark all the way around it, you know, like with a, uh, just chip it all the way up and down, that uh-huh. it might would 
bush out, you know, produce a limb. Yeah, and it and it should. You would think it's when you when you're taking away an entire limb, it's sending energy back down to the plant to hopefully put out some new growth. And also recommending to fertilize lightly in the spring. Like I said, it doesn't like overly rich soil, so we don't need to really overthink it or anything. But lightly fertilizing in the spring with maybe a handful of organic plant food or something for the first few years, just to make sure that it is getting the nutrients that you need. But I'm glad you called. I would not say it's it's hopeless. Y'all definitely will have some luck with it. Uh, keep up with some pruning techniques, you know, maybe twice a year and invigorate new growth to that to that smoke tree. So that's really cool. Thanks for the call, Kenneth. We'll talk to Mike and Mary and David coming up at the bottom of the hour. And you, 404-872-0750. Screen and growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. What do you have planned for this weekend? I hope it's something fun. You've got a nice day today, but it's going to be chilly. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Halfway through the show, the January 30th edition, almost hitting the one-year mark. Y'all have had to tolerate me and put up with me on Saturday mornings for 12 months already. It's gone by so fast. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And most everybody, I mean, literally 99.9% have been super encouraging and super supportive of the show. And I hope that continues. But if I do say something wrong, <clears throat> if I say something incorrect or that's not quite right, um, I love it. I mean, I love it when people reach out and correct me, of course, in a polite, you know, let's learn together kind of way, not telling me I'm stupid and I'm an idiot and Walter needs to come back. I, I don't think Walter wants to come back. He's liking retirement just fine. But yeah, d definitely feel free. I think there was a caller two weeks ago at the very end of the show, and she had phytophthora, which is like root rot, uh, affecting her tomatoes. And I, or uh, uh, strawberries, it was strawberries, uh, crown rot. So I was talking about, you know, a fungicide, something that's going to be able to treat that. But someone reached out to me. Thank goodness he did. And he's like, "Ah, eh, that's an edible crop. So maybe the fungicide you recommended is probably not going to be best uh, for something edible. So I'm so glad he did that. And I didn't have a chance to ever reach back out to her. Once once y'all hang up your phone number and all of that's gone, it's I'll, I'll never be able to find you again. But stuff like that, I, I really um, am, am quite pleased when, when people do reach out to me and and try to help me learn a little bit more as I get into the show. So thank you. 404-872-0750. Glad to have some calls coming up here. First, we'll head up to Gwinnett. Say good morning to Mary. Welcome to Green and Growing. Hi. Hi good Mary. morning. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You sound perfect. Okay. What's going on this I'm, morning? I'm out walking, so my face is frozen. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, this is the first time I've ever called. But every time I listen to you, which is most Saturday mornings, I have noticed, and, and I don't really have a question, I just have a comment, okay. that you promote wildlife. And I think that is just amazing. You know, keeping the big trees, keeping planting plants that attracts them. And I just think that's amazing that you reach out to people like that. And I think the more people hear that, the more we will be doing that. Because there's so much clear-cutting around here that it's just great to hear you talk about promoting wildlife. And um, 
I, I love gardening. I'm not a gardener myself because I don't have enough space for it um, as far as sun. But it's just, uh, I love hearing all the people call. It's such a positive program. Thank you, Mary. And, and I really appreciate just, that. But, you know, I go out walking early in the morning when it's still dark. And it's just, if people just realized, wow, you're literally waking up with all this wildlife and hearing it and stuff. And I know that sounds crazy, but um, to hear such a prominent person talk about that and then your show, it's it's very nice. And I hope more people do that, help promote the wildlife and keep up their gardens. And and it it is very positive. And I just wanted to tell you that. Um, I hear that every weekend. I'm like, you know what? That is just awesome. Yeah, no, (laughs) definitely. No phonies here. I mean, people that really care. And, you know, the younger you are, you don't really pay attention to those things. And I'm almost 40. So the older I've gotten, the more people I meet. And I meet people like you and some of the garden experts who've been on the show that are passionate about you know, yes. the environment and conservation and all that. When you meet people uh, that passionate, it's contagious. Yeah, and, and it is. And and when they see it actually happening, mm-hmm. and, oh, wow, look at that. And, oh, wow, I just saw that hummingbird. There was, oh, oh gosh, weeks ago, weeks and weeks when you were talking about, well, you probably talk about hummingbirds all the time. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, cleaning out their, their containers and making sure, because it's, it's dangerous for them to have dirty right. sugar water, whatever. But um, but just little things like that, attracting the, the birds. And, and I love the foxes and coyotes. I don't know if I'm making anybody happy with that, but I do. I do, <laughs> too. Know? And an occasional black bear up in Cherokee and Cobb County uh, is not unheard uh, of. I hope to see it in my yeah. car at a distance when I'm safe driving somewhere yeah. on the side of the road. But I love seeing that, too. It makes me happy. But it also kind of startles me because when we see them, out of their, you know, habitats, which are usually out of our uh-huh. sight, you know, it's kind of, it to me, it's indicative of some kind of disruption, which, you know, we See, started off the show talking about. Right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We, if we destroy the environment, they're going out of their own and, and coming into where it's dangerous. And then it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah. Then we start harming them because they're interfering with us. But if we would help work together, I know, I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can preserve and have a harmonious, you know, existence, I guess. Yeah. And as you're out (laughs) in nature right now, Mary, as you do every weekend, you know, getting out there walking, you know, it's, it's a peaceful Uh time of day. You're hearing the birds chirp. You get to see the wildlife before everybody is bustling around later in the morning. I think that's awesome. What a good way to start your weekend. Well, the, the funny thing is I was walking one time last week and, um, I came across, it was still dark. A doe was laying in my neighbor's yard just hanging out. Oh, I love <laughs> and that. Gets, and she gets up, she goes, oh, and she starts trotting off. But uh, <laughs> but it was so funny because we have a lot of woods in our neighborhood, which is amazing. And uh, I think everybody kind of works together. Yeah. So. <laughs> and taking our taking our noses and our eyes out of our phones and kind of looking up and realizing our surroundings. And I do. I talk a lot about birding, especially not so much about you know, wildlife as it pertains to coyotes and deer and wild turkeys and things like that. But certainly if you're paying attention, you see all of these things. And of course, that is just one of those natural trade-offs, bringing more people to the city of Atlanta, North Georgia, such a popular place. And, you know, more construction, more residents wanting to move to these areas, especially in the suburbs of 
you know, north of Atlanta. But um, that that is the trade-off, unfortunately, is habitat disruption and all of that. But there's always things that we can be doing and being a little more conscious and I think better stewards of the environment. And I promote recycling. I'm a big fan of recycling and all of that. Some people have their doubts, you know, that that recycling truck is just going to bring all that stuff into the landfill just the same as your trash. But also, Mary, when you're talking about uh, me promoting hummingbirds and things like that, same goes for wildlife, same goes for pollinators too, which in February, I'm definitely going to have, hopefully, fingers crossed, an expert from the University of Kentucky um, talking about pollinators and how important that is. And again, that's just one of those things I think that comes with age when you really start to realize I don't want to swat and kill every bee that's bothering me outside during the summertime, knowing the difference between wasps and bees, especially honeybees, you know, the things that are crucial to sustaining our way of life. We need pollinators to grow the food that we eat and just promote things in the environment. So Mary, thank you very, very much for the encouragement. I so appreciate it. And you listening every Saturday means more to me than you know, for sure. Those of you that just keep coming back and giving me a chance to continue to grow and learn with you. I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Stay away from the coyotes. Don't have a deer dart out in front of you. (laughs) That's happened to me in my vehicle quite a few times working the early morning hours that I do. All right. Up next, we go a little south and uh, say good morning to Mike and Noonan. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hey, so what's going on with this Bermuda grass? You did something that was, uh, to me, a good idea. What'd you do? Well, uh, uh, back in, I, I think it was November, uh, we had to have our uh, septic line redone. Oh, boy. So, I mean, I had great grass out there before because we get it treated. And uh, so, of course, you know, they tore up the whole front yard when they did that. So I was just trying to get something down to, you know, <laughs> to get through the winter with mud and things. And so I actually went through and I um, spiked it and then I uh, watered it. And then I put uh, Bermuda down, mm-hmm. and um, and then when the Bermuda started coming up, it started coming up in patches. And of course, as it got colder, I went ahead again, and they came out. <clears throat> they wanted to come out and do a pre-emergent, but I said let's, let's wait because you know I just I just put down some uh, Bermuda. Uh, so uh, long story short, I ended up putting rye down on top of the Bermuda, and it's coming up. It's coming up really well with the recent rains and things that we've had. But it, it's not the whole front yard. It's just in patches. So I guess what I was wondering about is should I put something additional down, some type of fertilizer? Because I was thinking about today getting out, you know, when it warms up a little and going back and spiking it again. Because on top of that, I did put down some uh, wheat straw, you know, to protect it from the frost and everything as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but I just put it down lightly. I didn't, I didn't cover it, you know, I guess too much. Uh, but I just can't seem to get it to, to grow back. And I'm, I'm trying to avoid sodden unless I absolutely have to. So I was just looking for some pointers, and you guys are a great source of information when it comes to all things like that, lawns and trees and shrubs and flowers. So <laughs> like I'm what? open. I, I just, I'm, I'm just trying to, trying, trying to avoid spending a big, a big sum of money unless I absolutely have to. Absolutely. No, that's so funny. I, I'm actually going to pull aside you saying exactly what you just said, because one of the promos that runs on the radio station for my show is plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. And all my coworkers <laughs> laugh, and they make so much fun. But I'm like, it's true. That's really literally what we talk about is plants, flowers, yeah, trees, and stuff. Absolutely. 
exactly right. <laughs> and, and I'm a big fan of your pollinator, uh, your pollinator series. So I hope that does come up in February. I hope big so too. Fan. I did a, a virtual webinar listening to this guy from the University of Kentucky talking about pollinators, and my God, it was just fascinating. I mean, it was very basic and easy for us to understand, but kind of you know what's going on in the industry, and it's like a, a worldwide effort to kind of combat some of the chemicals that are you know yeah. used that kill. Uh, huge bee populations. I mean, it's it's tragic, really. Yeah. But, so, and, and, go ahead. And we really don't under, we really don't understand. I mean, it, it's like the, your previous caller said. You know, until we get a little bit older, we don't really understand the necessity and the importance of having those pollinators for anything that we do in the environment. Oh, we really don't. Everything. I realize it now. You know, but 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 as you say, the bee population is declining at a rapid rate. Yeah, it's scary. And I mean, I feel guilty for the years. We built a new deck on the back of the house, you know, five or six years ago and had carpenter bees. You know, that's one of the first ones I start to see. And I was so angry with them boring through my, um, I mean, they're not really pollinators, so to speak, but boring through my lawn. It was like a, or my deck, it was a goal of mine to see how many I could kill. But now I feel so guilty for killing anything I don't want to. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks for the encouragement. I'm definitely going to reach out to this professor there and hope to have him on. But, all right, so what we did with the rye and your Bermuda, we're kind of at a, a catch-all right now, kind of a period where you don't want to do a whole lot, Mike. And I, I do understand you may be thinking, okay, well, I want to get out there and fertilize or something like that. But um, fertilizer applications just to keep the rye grass going really should not be made any later than about – now, um, because we kind of want to start to discourage the ryegrass a little bit because we're wanting the Bermuda to have a chance to green up and grow a little bit stronger, you know, as it, as it hits its transition period in the spring. Um, once a lawn's been overseeded, it does need to be overseeded continuously. So I hope that this isn't going to cause a big nightmare for you. But once you've put that ryegrass down, some of the seeds aren't going to have germinated this year. Um, so they may start to pop up for years, you know, following this year, two or three, and they'll grow in big clumps and look kind of weedy. But really what we want to work on is strengthening up that Bermuda grass. Okay. So any fertilizer that's put on right now, like I said, is getting a little late because that's going to send the wrong signal to the ryegrass to start really growing strong. Um, and also, that ryegrass just starting to like dry out a little bit. You know, you're obviously not having to do any watering to the dormant Bermuda right now, but letting that dry out, um, that stresses the ryegrass because we want to allow the transition back to the warm season grass, the Bermuda, and we don't want the Bermuda to suffer at all. So I would hold off on any fertilization. Really what we want to start focusing on now is the strength of the Bermuda. And that fertilizing regimen is going to come as it's, I think, the rule of thumb, and correct me, somebody, if I'm incorrect, is more than 50% green up is when it's going to be beneficial beneficial to fertilize that Bermuda. So we're looking at like April, uh, mid to late April, maybe, when that Bermuda grass is starting to get uh, 50% more green. So I want to send you a really good article from actually uh, Clemson about this kind of transition and the crossover with the ryegrass and the Bermuda, because I don't know that I've fully answered your question. I know how to. I'm just, my brain is not spitting it out there right. But I would hold off on fertilization right now. And then what I want this article to do for you is be able to prepare you here in the coming months for knowing when to do the fertilization for the Bermuda grass and aeration like we talked about earlier, you know, if dethatching is an issue and that kind of thing. Um, and, a, and a picture might help too, Mike, if you kind of show me 
what you're talking about with the the blotchiness and there's some here and, and not some there. So hang on. I'm going to have DeMarco get your email address and I'm going to share this article with you because I can't uh, verbalize it all on the air. But I think you're you're on the right track, but I actually am giving you a, a little bit of good news right now and just hold off and don't do a whole lot. So thank you very much for the call, Mike. I definitely hope to hear from you again. Mary and Mableton, Chris and Tequila, and your calls coming up 404-872-0750 on Green and Growing WSB. Great calls coming up for the 8 o'clock hour here on Green and Growing. You want to stay tuned. And at 8.30, we'll hear from Pike Nurseries with which uh, what they have in the nursery that you need to add to your, in this case, your home right now. And then we'll move it outside into the landscape a little later, or the back deck or the patio. Uh, Finley Roofing, they sponsor the weather update right here for your weekend. Mostly cloudy today. It's already starting to sun uh, sunshine out there a little bit right now. 51 degrees is the high. Low of about 42. Rain comes into the forecast tomorrow morning, maybe up to 80% chance of showers, and that does diminish during the afternoon. Cloudy on Monday, and then some sun comes back. So the complete weather update will uh, be brought to you here in just a few minutes by Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. But 404-872-0750. Mary in Mableton listening to us now on the radio. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Very so good. you've got a, you're thinking ahead. Go ahead and turn your radio off if you can or take me off speakerphone. Um, but you're thinking ahead to your tomatoes. What's your question? Um, well, I'm trying to find my phone. I'm in the car, actually. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So um, my question is, <clears throat> my question is, that I uh, have t- hydroponic tomatoes, and they're about 12 inches tall, and they um, are turning yellow, and curl- the leaves are curling. And I read about it, and it, it says it's micronutrient deficiency, but I don't. I've had success growing them before without this problem, and so now it's happening again, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, I had good advice for you until you said hydroponically grown. I don't know as much about that. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got them started. They're in one of those um, farms that uh, are air, uh, hydroponic farms that are pre-system, and then I start them by seed, uh-huh. and uh, they just and I just keep putting the fertilizer in, the liquid fertilizer in. And so, from what you've seen, it's a deficiency in in nutrients, is what you're reading, but you don't think so. Um, well, it, yes, but <clears throat> how do you correct it? Because you know, there's not specific products you can get that are just magnesium or nitrogen alone. And um, more that I'm seeing, it's more magnesium, but no one else can see it. No one has answered me on any of the, the uh, Facebooks that I've um, gone into, any of the groups that I'm a member of. Yeah. So I was hoping you might know. Gosh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Mary, I don't. Um, yellowing leaves just traditionally grown in the summertime in the soil. I, I was right with that, with the disease prevention and all of that that summertime brings, even overwatering, underwatering. But your case, that's very unique. And I'm disappointed you haven't gotten any answers um, from Facebook groups and pages and things like that. I've got two people in particular in my head that I want to reach out to and ask about that situation. And, and the nutrients especially, I don't want to speak incorrectly by any means on on giving you the wrong information about what what nutrients it may be lacking or maybe kind of what we're overdoing a little bit. Um, Because yellowing leaves, I mean, that definitely is a sign of either some kind of water deficiency, whether it's too much or too little, but also 
Yeah, I mean something. It's it's definitely lacking something. Mary, I'm I hate to do this, but I I am gonna go ahead and have you. I'm I'm not gonna give you an answer right now because I don't want to be incorrect. So I'm gonna have you talk to Demarco again and get your email address. I'm gonna reach out to the two folks I have in mind and kind of see how we can set you straight, especially if this has occurred before and it's still happening with your tomatoes. I want to be able to, I'm very curious too, I want to be able to give you a sufficient answer. So hang tight. We'll, we'll revisit that. Thank you for calling too. And since I don't know the answer, I'm going to learn the answer for sure. 404-872-0750. Time for news, weather and traffic on WSB. And we'll be back in the eight o'clock hour hearing from you. Thanks for listening to Green and Growing on WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.